And we're going to look at John chapter 3, somewhere around there, chapter 3 and 4. We're going to talk about uh, how, how kind God is. Um, you know, the cross up there is, is a gateway into a life. It's not the end of a life. It's a, it's a gateway. Um, many of us have grown up with this understanding that, you know, Jesus, when we die, we will see you in your glory and we'll be in heaven. And, and God's passion was when Jesus went to the cross and he, he broke the chains of sin, uh, we would actually taste something of heaven on earth, which means our lives would be changed. So after the resurrection and after the God's Spirit was poured out, he gave us a resource by his Spirit to enable us to be people who we couldn't be without his Spirit. Like first we were worms and then we were glowworms. Evidence of his Spirit is glowworms. And you, I, I, sometimes God speaks in the strangest places. I think it's God. And I got out the shower yesterday and I have no idea why this came up. But <coughs> it was, it was a, just kind of, I'm so glad I didn't leave the design of the human body to you human beings. I'm so glad that I didn't leave the design of the human body to human beings. The reason being that with my church body, human beings pick and choose what they want. And all the things I say are essential, they kind of leave out. And so you end up with a church body that says, we are the first believers of the Bible. And then we are the great workers of do compassion. And we are spirit-filled speaking in tongues. And, and we kind of segment into these, well, we don't converse with them. And we don't uh, go for that. And we don't go for this. And it's a bit like, the foot saying, I don't need the eye. It's a, a bit like the, uh, the ear saying, I don't need the mind. And I just want to encourage us to, you know, I think all our lives is about saying, more, Lord, more. What don't, I, what don't I see yet? What don't I really comprehend yet? What more? Because if you can, I mean, you can do a quick reality check and ask the person next to you if they see Jesus in all his glory in you. Ask them if they see the power of God upon you to such a degree. They just go, you got it, man. Well, go and ask. See if there's, see, maybe there's a revelation here. Because if you ain't shining like the Lord Jesus risen and you're not healing the sick and raising the dead, there's probably something still to do. That's all. It's called humility. It's not a big deal. It's actually very free when you realize you don't have it all. And when you and I have persuaded each other that our particular doctrine is the right one, where are you still left with? You still have to get up and make breakfast. You still have to learn how to be nice. And I'm wanting to talk this morning about the mystery of God and that there's an enormous amount that comes into relationship with God that is totally mysterious and that you just will never understand. I mean, why should he die on a cross for you? You know what you like. That's a mystery. Some of us are so egotistic. We say, well, why not? You know, <laughs> I'm not bad. I'm worth dying for. There's so much mystery. And the only way that we can actually learn how to live with mystery is to do with God what we do with our children, which is when they're from about two, or two years old, why, 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 why? You can't always explain the answers. And it's the same with God. That's why he says, as you become like little children. The whole thing about God is that it's relational, it's built on trust and love, and it's not built on anything else. And then within that sort of relationship comes all the other possibilities. And that's what we're going to look, about, look at in John. Because John, 
uh, as I said before, is, is a, is a, he's, a, he's the oldest disciple. He's the youngest to follow Jesus and the last to die. And he's, he writes his gospel. He writes his story about Jesus, knowing that the other three have already been written. So he doesn't even give how Jesus was born, for instance. He just says the word became flesh and he talks about the meaning. And so he's always talking about meaning. And he comes into, we get into, we've, we've talked about how uh, Jesus cleared the temple and how the temple is also a symbol of our body and the, and the spirit in there. And now we're going to talk about where Jesus meets, or it's in the middle of the night. And I was in Jerusalem. In the middle of the night in Jerusalem, it is dark. You cannot say, I was in the Palestinian quarter and we went, the guy said we were having dinner and he said, I'll, I'll see you out. And I sort of said, we can see ourselves out until we went out. And it is just dark. No lights. And he led us through these little streets and we could have been in biblical times. And I thought of Nicodemus. Well, and Nicodemus was a very educated man. The woman at the well was very uneducated in many ways. She was very educated in the ways of the world. And Nicodemus was also very educated in the ways of the world. They just lived in different worlds. And they both came to Jesus or Jesus encountered them. One was in the middle of the night and the other was in the middle of the day. That has some significance or meaning because John always has meaning. And both of them, when they encounter Jesus, they kind of go, how can this be? And we're going to actually end talking about Mary who said the same thing. How can this be? And I just invite you, wherever you've got everything tidied up, give God permission to break your box, break your theology, break your doctrine, break your position, particular position. It's not sacred. It's just an opinion. The denomination is not sacred. It's just a denomination. All denominations are symptoms of our sinfulness. They're actually not God's will. He's just gracious enough to tolerate it. And what we sometimes take incredibly seriously, he says, oh, lighten up. There's more. Truth will set you free. And we're all after what is true. And I have this theory that many of our positions actually cover up our, our insecurities. The easiest one as a teenager, I had a theology that you shouldn't dance. That went out the window long ago. But it went out the window when I began to start saying, you're just using that because you're shy. And you're scared of girls. I was terrified of girls at 15. Still am, but I cover it up. And my theology was, you don't dance. Why? Because it's easier than I've got this little doctrine. And I think people do that all the time. I have thousands of Bible verses I memorize. I don't, but people do. But what does it actually mean? What does it look like? And the Pharisees were the people in Jesus' day that had all the knowledge. And yet someone like Nicodemus, who was part of the Sanhedrin, the, the leadership of the Jewish people, 70 people were, the, were on that leadership. They ruled the Jewish people. The only thing they couldn't do was kill people. They couldn't murder. That's why they had to take Jesus to the Romans to get permission and wangle it so that he would eventually get crucified. They didn't have the authority. They weren't allowed the authority under the Romans. And Nicodemus was one of them, and he was one of those who had been educated. He was very intellectual. He was very passionate. He was a bit like Saul, who became Paul, who also, you know, fell off his donkey and said, whoa, what does this mean? They're kind of really quite obvious clues in the Bible, and particularly in the New Testament, about us not getting it. It's amazing how self-confident we can be. And therefore, we stop growing at the level of our questioning. 
we stop growing at the level of our, well, this is enough. And if we could see what God had for us and what he's like and what he's inviting us into, we just wouldn't settle for what we settle for because you'll never, you'll never arrive at the fullness of it. That's good news. Some of you think it's good news. All right. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, he's at night, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replies, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? See, Nicodemus comes to Jesus with a genuine question and a compliment. He says, I've seen and we've heard the signs and wonders. We've seen healing. We've seen what you do. It still amazes me that the church today argues about whether there should be signs and wonders. It's like, should a hospital have doctors so that there's healing? The church should be a place that is always declaring what God has done and the power of His Spirit present. He healed that person. He set that person free. It should always be part of our message. In Canada, we haven't lost people and become less Christian because God has been dead. We've become less Christian because we've refused to believe the fullness of the news of Jesus and His Spirit. We've cauterized the, the gospel and said, well, we don't go with this part, we don't like this part, and we end up, there's another church apparently start joining Trinity. That's four churches trying to stay alive in this valley. If I say anything, it sounds like judgment, but I will say if there's no fruit on the tree, it's pull the tree out. And some of us, God just wants to encourage us and say, I want you to be hungry for more. I just want you to be hungry for more. And the way you get hungry for more is you just become aware of your thirst. You just become aware of where you're not. There's no condemnation in that. It's just, I want more. And so what did Nicodemus do? Nicodemus was in this religious institution. He had grown up in it. And he saw Jesus and he saw what Jesus was doing. He saw the response of people to Jesus. And I think he just said, that guy, there's something in him that I I long for. Because Nicodemus, like Saul, wanted to love God. They were passionately devoted to God as they saw him. But when God came in Jesus, he was no longer, I'm going to say this in trepidation, the higher power as you understand him. He was God as he is. And God as he is in Jesus was the one who Nicodemus went to and said, I I can't wrap my head around you. How does this work? Because I know there's something in me that wants what you have, but all my Jewish training goes, there's something not jiving. And Jesus, I just think, smiled with Nicodemus. I think he loved the fact that Nicodemus came to him. And I think he honored Nicodemus. He didn't laugh at him. He didn't call him names. He didn't put him down at all. He just said, Nick, you're really asking me, how can you see in the dark without night goggles? And you can't. Unless you wear night goggles, you cannot see in this dimension. And so he said to them, he said to Nicodemus, we could debate this question of yours within the realm of human understanding and we'll get really stuck real quickly. But what you're seeing in me and through me is a human being alive to God's spirit. I have a revelation that is accessible to you through me. 
But if you naturally try and make sense of me, you'll end up with religion like the Pharisees have. You'll end up where you are. You are the logical conclusion, Nicodemus, of your system. I mean, how are you doing with working it out? Getting all the ducks in a row. Then we start saying, it's in the Bible. I love that phrase. Such nonsense. Of course it's in the Bible. But the Bible's been used to legitimize every crime in the world. Satan even used the Bible. I mean, and I... Don't get me wrong. Don't send me an email. Bibles are very important. They give us the revelation of God. They give us the story of God. But the Bible always talks to the per- points to the person of Jesus and the experience and encounter with the living God. Because people with Bibles who don't know the living God hit other people with the Bible. They cause damage. Because you need the power of God's Spirit that the Bible bears witness to to make you a living testimony so that people encounter Jesus' love in you, and then they say, who is that in you? Because I know you, and you are nothing smart, but there's something about you, and I want that. And then you go, well, that's what this is. And if they don't, thank you, you you can give Jesus a round of applause, because there's hope for us. And if they don't see it, if they don't see it, then they go and they tell their people over coffee, and Christians call it sharing or prayer requests, and others just gossip. Um, They say, I thought they call themselves a Christian. Because there's an expectation of something. But then there are also a lot of screwed up expectations. That's why we need revelation. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, I can't wrap my head around this. And Jesus says, you'll never wrap your head around this. Unless you were born again, you will never hear it. And he says, what does born again mean? Because... He's so bright, but he's so dumb. And he goes, I I can't be born again. I'm already born. He says, Nick, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. When you were born, Nicky, Nicky, you you were born into the Jewish faith. You were born into learning the scriptures. You were born into, you had to eat to feed your body. You had to, you eat the, you ate the Jewish sort of thing, which was my foundation, but they lost the flavor long ago. You need my spirit to touch your spirit, to ignite your spirit. It's like you're born with a visa card and you need to activate it. And God's Spirit needs to activate something inside you that begins to re- resonate and grow and get, be restored because it was lost. And when that Spirit begins to well up in you, you start sensing things that sometimes you can't even put words to. I remember when I was sort of so dead to God for about seven years in my anger and frustration and I won't bore you with that. Read the book, by the way. There's, you know, you go... Um, but I remember going to uh, the bookstore, Chapters, and I, I had absolutely no desire to see anything about God. I was just fed up with it. You know, I'd been in the Christian world for years, and I was just tired of, I didn't want the five ways to know Jesus again and how to be happy and, you know, divorce recovery and uh, if you're screwed up, here's five ways to be unscrewed. I, I didn't want any, I just was done. And yet I went into Chapters one day, and I was at the Christian sort of section, and I, I could sense something changing. Sometimes you can't even put words about, I just sense something changing, and, and I loved that I was sensing something, because I didn't, I didn't know how to want it, but I wanted to want it. That's how far God will go with us. I am a testimony to the fact that God is highly patient, very graceful, and very forgiving, and very persistent. And so you will not be as bad as me, so there's hope for you. You know, there's lots more room for you. And God, the whole thing I'm focusing on this morning is a God who comes to us where we are. 
and he loves us and he likes us. And, and, and Nicodemus comes and he just says, how do I? And he says, this can't happen like you. It can't happen in your way. You need to be born. You need the Spirit of God to come up in you so that you can start seeing things you can't see that don't make any sense. You can start finding purpose in you that you didn't know you even could find. It's the Spirit of God working in you. And what the Spirit of God does is He begins to touch a human being. Some people have talked about this. They've talked about coming in here and they just start crying or they come in here and they sense something. That's God. God actually speaks volumes through feelings and emotions and senses. For those of us who live in our heads, you're missing half of life. I will balance that for those who are now going, John, don't say that. By saying if you just live in your emotions, you're missing half of life as well. You need to use your mind. But and the people with minds now are saying, yes, that's right. It's not a competition. God, you see, if we designed the body, those who are intellectual would forget about the heart. Don't need the heart. I mean, come on, let's think this through. And for those who like emotion, they wouldn't think of the mind because that's kind of boring. God gave us both. And the heart pumps blood to the head and keeps the brain alive. It actually works that way around. I better not say any more because I don't know what I'm talking about. But we need each other. And, and this is a hugely important. So for Nicodemus, Jesus said, unless you actually are born again, unless my spirit enlarges your capacity to see and understand, you will never make sense of me. And even when you get a glimpse of the fact that I am extraordinary, and Jesus wouldn't say that, but I am extraordinary. You've never seen someone like me. You've never encountered someone like me. Even when you begin to clue into the fact that this is a revelation from heaven, you still will not make sense with it. You will just know that when you're in my presence, something changes and you come alive and you feel more human. You feel safe. You feel loved. You feel connected to a God who says he's a father and that begins to actually woo you and you begin to go, he really is like that. And that picture there, these big hands, because God is saying to this church and he's saying to you, and he's been saying it loudly in the last few weeks, you are safe in my hands. And I want you to live between that picture and that picture. You're safe in my hands and those are open heaven, which means my provision is here for you. I want you to experientially know that. Not just theoretically quote that. And the only way that you can know that God is supernaturally present and available is when? When you haven't got anything physical to rely on. Which is why it's an adventure. Some of us haven't been on an adventure spiritually for years. We've been paddling around in the shallows, spouting our doctrine. We've never taken a risk in our lives. And we say we believe in God. I said, you haven't believed God for anything for years. I mean, there's safe bets what you do. Start praying for the sick. Do things outrageous. See what happens. Anyway, we won't go down that road quite yet. Isn't this cool? Well, I don't know if it's cool yet. Because what I'm trying to say is when God met Nicodemus, Nicodemus had to go to a place where he said, I don't understand how can this be. But in that conversation, something happened. Because in chapter 7 of John, the Sanhedrin are all talking about killing Jesus. And Nicodemus speaks up and says he should actually have an opportunity to give an account for himself. 
Nicodemus was in a very hostile environment. By the time Jesus was crucified, Nicodemus was one of the people who took down Jesus' body and took it into a burial. Jesus had captivated his heart beyond his understanding and he was beginning to see something that he had no idea about. It's how God works. Be encouraged. God loves questions. You can come to him in the dark and say, how does this happen? I encourage you to question. I think too often we question in privacy and we question without any desire for an answer. Our question is really a, a justification for staying stuck. And because we're Canadian, I'm not, well, I am, but I'm still a half-breed. So I come with a bluntness that says, come on, move beyond that. Some, some of us live with our questions because ignorance is bliss. I don't want you to answer the question. I just want to, I'm really questioning this. If you want to see growth in your life, start asking questions that give voice to your hunger, give voice to your lack, give voice to your struggle, give voice to the things you don't understand. See what happens. It's fun. It's cool. And guess what? God speaks to us in the language that we are made of. So he, he meets Nicodemus where he is. And he talks to him in the language that Nicodemus can talk to. And then we go to the Samaritan woman. who is Nicodemus wouldn't even be seen dead with her. He's the furthest thing from Nicodemus' realm. She comes to she, well, she doesn't come to Jesus. Jesus happens to be at the well where she's coming in the middle of the day. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus encounters a woman when she wasn't expecting it. That's how God works. He's very creative. He's got your number and mine. He's pursuing you all the time. You know that, don't you? Not really. You think you... He is. Because he loves you with a passion that would, would cause you to weep. He's jealous for you. He will allow you to be in circumstances to get your attention because when he tried to do it in pleasant circumstances, you wouldn't listen. He will use anything to get hold of you and to get your attention because he loves you. And he wants to see you live with a fullness of life that you haven't comprehended yet. So the woman who's uh, the Samaritan woman, she's, Jesus is, is in this foreign land. She's, uh, she's, men don't speak to women. She's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. And he's sitting on this well, which is Abraham's well, which means tradition, which means this is how we've done it for years. And she comes to the well in the middle of the day, which is the hottest time of the day. Why? Because she is socially unacceptable, because she's got a reputation. It's a little village. It's not big. Everybody knows her. And they talk about her probably, and so she doesn't want to be the gossip of town. She's a real hurting lady probably. And she comes and, and she sees Jesus, and Jesus doesn't say, Hey, have, I'm, I'm God, and I know you're you, and man, are you in trouble? He doesn't call her names. He doesn't say, under the uh, Ten Commandments, lady, you are out to lunch by a mile. Your sexual behavior, you should be shot and stoned. That's what the Jewish law would have said. And she comes to the well and Jesus says, can you give me something to drink? How non-threatening. And she is someone who is used to being looked at by men probably and used by men. And this man asks her for a drink. And there's nothing lustful, there's nothing ugly about his demeanor to her. As the Spirit of God abides in Jesus, 
that spirit bears witness to that woman and shows her something that her heart craves. And what is that? That is love. And she's never been able to find it. She started being sexually active at a young age. And she's gone through five men and the sixth man is not her husband. You don't do that if you're okay. And she's craving love. She's craving acceptance. She's craving something more than she's finding. And Jesus and God knows that. And very often we look at people's behavior and we judge them. And he says, if you saw where they came from, you would have some compassion. That's why one of the values of this church is you can become part of the family before you know God. Because there are lots of wounds that cause us to struggle. And we need places of safety to heal up so we can dare to believe that these words I speak are true for us. And so Jesus sat at that well and he said, can you give me something to drink? And she starts talking to him. Why why are you talking to me? Because she's used to being ignored. So even asking for a drink, I mean, you're treating me with some respect. I don't even have that respect for me. And he says, give me something to drink. And then they get into this conversation about, you know, if you knew who was asking you for water, I'd give you streams of living water. You'd never have to come to this well again. He didn't have a clue, like Nicodemus. He was talking in a different paradigm. He says, he's really saying to a woman, you bring your little bucket to this well. It's a symbol of tradition. It's a symbol of your need. You've put down your little well and you've pulled up a man six times. You, you, you bring your resources and you get what you think you need. And you just keep coming back to the well because it never satisfies. He says, because you're trying to meet your need in a non-spiritual place, but you are actually a spiritual being. That's who you're created to be. So everything that you look for is actually found in God and flows through you into the world. Love, joy, peace, peace patience, kindness, goodness, faith, hope. Everything that human beings cry out for is actually invisible and non-tangible. Everything that human beings are trying to buy and enslave one another to get are after those things. You put those categories up and you'll find the, the world is absolutely after all of that. Everything about money, sex and power is about how do you find love and faith and purpose and hope. And she's trying with what she has and she's not getting anywhere and God meets her in Jesus and says, I could give you streams of living water. You'll never have to come to this well like this again. And she doesn't understand it. You see, God speaks to Nicodemus and he speaks to the woman in the middle of the night, in the middle of the day. And it's the revelation of the love that is poured out through Jesus that actually captures them. They haven't got all the answers. They've had an encounter of someone, with someone that has rocked their boat. He's crept in behind their mind and behind their heart and he's kind of just drawn them in and said, but there's hope for you. Go and call your husband. I don't have a husband. Don't let's go down that road. He said, I know you've had six or five on the one you're living with. No condemnation at all. And she goes, whoa, you can read me like a book. And maybe Jesus smiles and says, yeah, and it's a pretty dog-eared paperback, but I still love you very deeply. And she picks up on that without the words being spoken. You know that most people will come to Jesus through the words that are not spoken, through how you care, how you react, how you respond, how you welcome, how you encourage, how you pray, how you love, how you're patient, how you persevere, how you keep coming back. Most people will come to glimpse God through the way we speak without our voices 
uttering one word. We're just forced to speak because we're not Jesus yet, so our actions aren't that great. So we have to have both. But that's what the human heart calls for and cries for, doesn't it? And then as they question, they begin to be teachable. And so the woman, having just touched and been touched by the love of God through Jesus, by accepting her where she was. You see, it's not about accepting behaviors. Jesus wasn't saying, yes, your lifestyle is great. He was just saying, if I start with your lifestyle, you'll never encounter my love. And as I actually work in you to help you to know who you really are, your lifestyle will change. Be interesting to know, because you actually, the disciples came back and they didn't get it at all. They were saying, where's your food? Aren't you hungry? And what are you talking to this woman for? I mean, talk about crashing in on something. The disciples didn't see it. They were still learning how to see this way. And the woman leaves. She leaves her water bucket and she goes to the village. And what does she say? She's the woman who's hiding from everybody. Starts shouting in the streets, come and see this one who's talking about me like I never... And they go, well, we know you and we know what we say about you. We better go and see what this person's saying about you. And they, they, they come to Jesus and they're so attracted to him, they say, please stay here for two days. We want to just hear more. I don't know about you, but I find that a very compelling, attractive picture of God and Jesus. The world is very, very hungry for the love of God, for the presence of God. They wouldn't go to fortune tellers and psychics and new age if they went hungry. They're just not finding it in a church that's so judgmental and so picky about everything and then so hypocritical. We're all just wounded people, not legitimizing what's wrong, but learning how to encounter the love of God. And one of the ways we begin to grow with that is as we realize that we will always be on this journey going, how can this be? And so you have a decision to make in your life. Do you only go as far as you can understand? Or will you allow what God actually speaks about in the Bible to become the standard to which you're trying to grow? So in my opinion, if you read the Bible, you should be going, we're stretching for this, but we've only got this so far, but this is where we're going. Because the revelation is supernatural. The experience is lagging behind. So we're going after saying God encounters people on earth as in heaven. He heals the sick. We're going to pray for the sick until we see more and more people healed. We're going to explore every gift of God's spirit, supernatural, because we need it. We don't understand it all. Some of it doesn't seem to make any sense. But all I know is that as I am open to these things, something changes in me, warms my heart, and I'm sort of more alive to Jesus. So the question this morning is really simple, whether you're the woman at the well, you're coming with stuff that's full of shame for you, or you're stuck somewhere, Jesus meets you and he says, I see you, I know you, and I can give you streams of living water. You know what streams of living water are? They're streams of living water. What's the definition of a stream? It flows. Some of us are content with cups of water and dams of water. Do you know who has cups of water and dams of water? People who carry around cups of water and dams of water are those who don't, are not secure in the supply. They're scared it's going to run out, so they hoard it. If you want to see God work in your life, everything you receive, give it away. Generosity of spirit. If you want more peace, give away the peace you have. If you want more joy, give away the joy you have. Well, I don't have a lot of joy. Well, Give it away in faith. 
You will not get more of anything unless you give away what you have. Give it away. Get over yourself. And you'll see the stream beginning to flow with power and presence. You and I, we're much too conditional. I'm not going to give it to you until you smarten up. And I'm going to justify why I'm withholding from you because you've caused me to be like this. And You know the stories. We could all write them. That's why we need the spirit, the supernatural element of God. And finally, and we're closing with this, just remember Mary, when God's spirit appeared to Mary. What did he say? You're going to be pregnant with child. You're going to be pregnant. And she says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And we love that. Oh, the virgin birth, Mary. Yeah, love, love, praise God. And he says, so why are you so difficult to impregnate with my spirit? Why is it so difficult for me to actually have my way with you? Because the only way that you're going to come alive is if I live in you. And that's a living thing day by day. And the only way that you're going to be able to be attractive and effective in the world is as I live in you and flow through you. And so I need people who will live with mystery and will pursue it so that others can come to know that I am alive and I can meet the Nicodemuses through you and the women at the well through you and the Marys through you where I can actually release in them the things they were created to be and become. So we're going to show a, I'm going to show a clip in a song which is the end of, and then we're going to go into communion. And I just want you to reflect on the supernatural aspect of God. I want you to reflect on where does God want to work in you that's beyond your understanding with the understanding that he loves you more than you love anybody on this planet. And what do you think he's wanted to expand your horizons in now? And, and please remember all these people I've mentioned. The fact that you're not comfortable and the fact that you're a little nervous is normal. If you're waiting for comfort, then you're just going to shrink wrap this down to what suits you and it will be boring. So what are you thirsty for? What do you want from God? And as, as you listen to the song, it's a song about Mary. It's called Being Born in Me. You'll have heard it before, some of you. Just let God speak to you and just respond to him. I mean, I respond to this by just saying, Jesus, I just want everything you have for me. Will you be born in me, even in ways I don't comprehend? But I just want to be open to you. And I want to be more than I am now. So there's no condemnation. It's an invitation. And the invitation is for you to come like Nicodemus or take the opportunities that come your way like the woman at the well and just let the Spirit of God work in you. Let's listen to it and then...
who knocks on doors and says, can I come in? Thank you for a God who reveals himself in Jesus as one who meets us like Nicodemus and says, what's the question you have that's uppermost? Let's talk about that. Or you meet the woman at the well who has a broken heart and a broken life and you, you ask her for something and as you say to us, let me come with you, let me be with you. I see you, I know everything about you and I still call you. We ask you to forgive us where we reduce you to our, our mindsets, when you re- we reduce you to our mere understanding or our experience so far. And we thank you that you're so much greater. And we just ask you to come into our hearts and lives again this morning to expand them supernaturally so that we would be hungry for the things that you're longing for us to be hungry about. And Father, we lay down the buckets that we carry to meet our own needs and we, we want those streams of living water that we will be people out of whom you flow a great big gushing, roaring torrent of love and compassion and power and presence that we're not even aware of but because we've received it from you it has to flow out. So ask him and receive from him all that you need right now.